IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass IndyCar, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I covered my first race in the inaugural Michigan 500 as a sports intern for the Toledo Blade way back in 1981. Since that time, I've been able to build a tremendous relationship with the drivers, mechanics, engineers, team owners, and series officials in both IndyCar and NASCAR. I've had the opportunity to cover races for brands like National Speedsport News, NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. But this show isn't about me. It's about the star drivers and the daring heroes of IndyCar. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Two races into the season, and it appears that youth is not just served, it's being showcased in the NTT IndyCar Series. 24-year-old Alex Pelot won the season-opening Honda Indy Grand Prix of Alabama at Barber Motorsports Park on April 18. This past weekend, 21-year-old Colton Herta started on the pole and led 97 laps in the 100-lap Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg to score his fourth career victory. That ties him with his father, Brian, on the all-time victory list, who is also on the team's radio calling race strategy for his son this season at Andretti Autosport. It's the first time father and son have worked together on the same race team, and the results have so far been very impressive. Late in the race, during a caution period, setting up the final restart, with Herta leading two-time St. Pete race winner Joseph Newgarden, Brian Herta was asked, which one of you is more nervous, you or Colton? Dad's response was, neither of us. That coolness was an evidence as Colton raced his way to the checkered flag to lay claim as one of the prime contenders for this year's NTT IndyCar Series Championship. I caught up with Herta several weeks ago to talk about his improvement last season, his outlook for 2021, and his side hustle. He's a drummer for a Southern California rock group known as The Zips. Here's my interview with Colton Herta. Joining us now is Colton Herta, driver of the number 26 Gainbridge Honda for Andretti Autosport in the 2021 NTT IndyCar Series season. Colton, it's going to be a new car number and a new sponsor and a new look, but I'm sure you want to have the uh, same results, and that's driving the victory lane in an IndyCar race. Yeah, you know, not much has changed team-wise. So, you know, really fortunate about that and really happy to be working with the same people as last year uh, because they did a great job. So, um, yeah, obviously the color's going to be different with Gamebridge this year. I'm super excited about um, and continuing with Honda. So it's all set up to be another great year. 
When you look back at last year, you had a very consistent year. You were in the fight for the championship all the way to the end. You had one race win, which I'm sure is far less than you wanted to have. How would you categorize the way the season went? Because it was a difficult year for everybody because of the late start to the schedule, the changes in the weekend schedules, more condensed. And there was a lot of race weekends where we didn't know whether they were going to have the race in a few days or not. No, yeah, I think it, it it was difficult, and not a lot of really nobody got any preseason testing done. So, um, with the addition of the air screen, it it kind of shifted the balance a, a little bit. Um, so setups needed to change a little bit. We just missed it a little bit early on, um, and and needed a little bit more uh, from the car. And so, uh, I think kind of once we got two or three rounds in, we really turned it around and found what we needed to be competitive throughout the rest of the year. From the Harvest Grand Prix of Indianapolis in October, this race followed your victory at Mid-Ohio in the second race of the Indy 200 at Mid-Ohio in September where you started on the pole and won. That got you up to fourth in points with the victory, but at Indy you leaped up to third and you stayed third for the rest of the year and still had a shot at the championship at the last race of the season. So, would you say that you finished the season strong? Yeah, I think we definitely improved throughout the year. Um, so, you know, like I said, at the beginning of the year, we, we were a little rough, and, and by the end of the year, we were very competitive uh, at pretty much every single round that we went to. So um, I was happy with how the end of the season went. Obviously, going into this next year, you kind of want to transform some of those fourth and fifth places that we had last year into podiums and, and some of those podiums that I had into wins um, kind of the theme to get three or four wins a, a year to win a championship so it's kind of what we're after this year the Indianapolis 500 you barely missed the fast nine you started 10th and you finished eighth how would you categorize the way that race went um from my side it was it was a fairly boring race um I I didn't I couldn't really pass that much other guys could but um you know, I think I, we just kind of missed it that month and, and we're kind of missing like a mile per hour uh, to the teammates. And, and so um, we need to find a little bit of speed and, and we found a little bit more in the race and we're a little bit more competitive than in qualifying. But uh, it did kind of hurt a little bit. A lot of the guys from, from our team made it into the fast nine and we weren't one of them. But the one weekend that probably really cost you a, a very good shot at the championship was the Iowa weekend where doubleheader you were tw- uh, 20th in the friday night race after being involved in a crash and then uh, 19th the next night when you look back at that you almost kind of wish you could have gotten a mulligan for that weekend no yeah exactly i obviously made the mistake of, of running to the back of zk at, at iowa and, and that really hurt kind of the championship run that we were going on because we were, we were quite close dixon still and i think at that point we were right there maybe second in points um and and so we're still in it, but unfortunately, that kind of took us out of, of what could have been. So uh, we were running good. The car was fast there. Unfortunately, I just made the mistake, and, and um, I don't know. Car just didn't feel the same. So um, probably just a result of that that incident, and maybe something not being completely right on the car. But we just didn't didn't quite have the pace. But um, yeah, obviously, without that mistake of mine, it, it wouldn't have been a problem, and I think we would have been on for for another two top fives of what it was looking like for our pace. As a teenage rookie in 2019, you won twice and finished seventh in the championship. Last year, you won once but finished third in championship. So which are you more interested in, the rise in the championship battle or wanting to get multiple victories? Definitely the rise in the championship battle because I I know I have the speed to win races. 
Um, but it just kind of shows the consistency from, from my rookie season into, into last season. So if we can kind of continue on that and, and make even more improvements, um, you know, I, I, I don't doubt myself. I don't doubt the team that we can make a championship run this year. You've already been, a, in a lot of ways, a seasoned pro, even though this will be the, your third season in the NTT IndyCar Series. In a lot of ways, has a lot of your success been expected for you, or has it surprised you? A little bit of both. Um, you know, I think with, with how fast it happened um, with, with Dakota win and stuff, it was, it was surprising. Um, but, you know, I think kind of, Every every professional race car driver expects to be the fastest, um, and I wasn't expecting that that early. But um, you know, I was hoping that it was going to come to me by the end of my rookie year, and then we can kind of go from there for my sophomore season. But it kind of happened a lot sooner. And um, credit to Mike Harding and George Steinbrenner and everybody at Andretti too for for putting the right people in place to give me a fast race car every weekend. So um, you know. I, it's kind of a combination of being with a great team, but, but also kind of growing up and, and being involved in the right people in my junior formula career and, and then getting to IndyCar and being with the right people in that sense. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of been a perfect situation all the way up. Because of the way you've shown progress throughout your two years in IndyCar, entering your third year, would it be a disappointment to you if you don't win the championship this year? Uh, I think some. I think it's kind of hard to say. Um, yeah, that's the goal. Um, you know, if, if we kind of have a season of faults and, and stuff just isn't going right, I think it'd be a little bit less disappointing. But if we kind of make it to the, the end and put the championship on the line, um, yeah, it's going to be very disappointing. But, you know, I kind of I don't want to set the pressure that I have to win the championship this year. Um, but I do kind of expect to be in the hunt. How about having a new sponsor with Gainbridge? It's going to give you a new paint scheme and it's also a new company to represent. Yeah, right. It's It's been awesome. and and. Uh, you know, I got to meet Dan Towers last year, uh, and he's the CEO of Gamebridge. So it's been awesome. He's a very nice guy and very fortunate to be able to represent their company. And, um, and again, very happy with, with what Capstone and Gleaners did for me last year. Um, but, you know, very excited for this, for this uh, going on as well. How has your off-season been, and where have you tested, and where will you test between now and the start of the season in April? Yeah, it's been fairly quiet off-season. Um, not much has been going on. Obviously, now we have all the, the media stuff going on in Indy, so all the drivers are out here. But uh, I did two test days at Sebring um, maybe about a month ago, and they were probably like two weeks, three weeks apart from each other. And that was really good. Got to find some stuff for, for some of the street courses, and it seems like we're going to have a lot of those this year. Um, and then we test Texas March 31st. And that'll be the last one before uh, Barber. A lot of veterans pace themselves, but you're still young enough that I'm sure that you probably have that date circled that when that season starts, because that's what you uh, spend all off season working toward. Just how excited is it, and how competitive do you believe you'll be at Barber? It was a track that IndyCar didn't get the race on last year because of the COVID nineteen pandemic, but the chance to go back there. How excited are you for that? Yeah, very exciting. It's it's obviously like. Like you said, it's already a long off season normally, and then when when you have the added effects of COVID, it's even longer. And they had to push the the dates back a little bit. But um, super excited that we're getting started somewhat soon. And at Barber, which is a, seems to be a good track for us, uh, the car was really good. We did a we did a test there in October, and we were very fast. So and it had most of the the fast guys there too. So uh, looking forward to that one. And then obviously back to back with St. Pete, and we know we're good there. So 
Uh, hopefully we can kind of hit the ground running and get a good two rounds under our belt before we kind of get stuck in and, and start getting into the summertime when it's going to be, you know, back-to-back-to-back races and, and whatnot. You live in Southern California, so you're more than familiar with lockdowns, but how excited are you going to be when racing is able to return in California? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I, I can't wait. And, um, you know, I don't know that they've ever had a, a, a championship ender at Long Beach, but I think it's going to be incredible and it's going to be back-to-back uh, races in my home state to end up the season. So uh, it would mean a lot to win a, an IndyCar championship, but it'd mean a lot more to win it in front of uh, all my friends and family in Long Beach. Speaking of friends and family, uh, you are in a uh, rock group, the Zibs, and because of COVID not being able to get together, how have you guys been able to practice? Uh, we've all been doing it solo. Uh, not much has been going on. So uh, obviously California being locked down the most, really adhering to, to the uh, local laws and stuff that they put in place. Uh, so not much has been going on in that front. But, you know, I think it's it's getting more and more lenient and more and more people are getting vaccinated. So hopefully we'll be able to go back to normal and, and practice again soon. Have you been able to practice via Zoom? No, we haven't done that. It would just, it'd be too difficult with, with how you'd have to work the mics and stuff that it would be very difficult to hear everybody and, and for it to make sense. Well, I'm sure that you can't wait to get back on tour and you also can't wait to get back on tour with your IndyCar ride. Uh, Colton Herta, keep an eye on him this season. He's a legitimate contender for the 2021 NTT IndyCar Series Championship. Good luck in that quest and uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Bruce. Appreciate it. One of the drivers is expected to be a contender for the championship is Alexander Rossi, driver of the number 27 Honda at Andretti Autosport. In an interview I had with him before the race, you can hear the anticipation he had entering the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. But in the race, he was involved in a crash with Graham Rahal while the two drivers were racing side-by-side through the tight corners of the temporary street course. Rossi finished 21st. In a quick interview this past race weekend, Rossi talks about the upcoming doubleheader at Texas Motor Speedway and his bid at scoring a second win in the Indianapolis 500 on May 30th. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is Alexander Rossi, driver of the number 27 Napa Auto Parts Honda for Andretti Autosport. Alex, here we are, start of the season. We've already got a race underway. St. Pete Grand Prix, big race, big street race. How do you feel your prospects are coming into this and starting off the season on a high note? Um, yeah, well, it's a, we're an AutoNation car this weekend, so uh, not, not the Napa car. Um, so we're back in pink and gray. And, um, yeah, I mean, we're round two already, as you said, and, and I think the first race was there was some good positives for sure. And um, we have a lot of unfinished business, I think, personally here. Uh, from last October. So excited to be back in St. Pete, excited to have fans here. Uh, The weather looks beautiful and uh, can't wait to get started. This race always seems to have a big event vibe to it. It's, I've always called it IndyCar's version of spring break. How much do the drivers love the atmosphere here? Oh, we love it. It's uh, it's one of our highlight races. I think really most of the the street courses are are pretty spectacular for us. And um, St. Pete is no exception. It's, It's an awesome city. Um, the race fans are very knowledgeable. Uh, it's on the water. Um, it's picture perfect. Like everything is good about it. So we love coming here. I'd love to, to be able to spend more time here and actually have a good time versus working all the time though. Not a whole lot of time to rest because this is the middle part of a 
four race and three weekend schedule. How grueling is that? Um, it it is and it isn't. You know, it's um, it's more it's more mentally challenging just because you know there's so much at stake in a three week period with four races. So physically, it's 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 pretty pretty okay. Um, you know, I think this is this will be a big test for everyone, and then a doubleheader in Texas will be a big test. But ultimately, it's the same for everyone. We're prepared for it, and uh, you got to make the best of it. How big a challenge is it going to be back-to-back races at Texas Motor Speedway? That's a race that's uh, it's been known to have some mayhem here and there, and also yeah. uh, put the crew guys a lot of times to fix the cars. It's going to be a lot of demands on a back-to-back no, race weekend. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, usually when you finish Texas, you're uh, you're like, wow. 365 days till we have to do that again and now it's going to be about 12 hours so um it's it's a it's a big ask but again same for everyone and and it's a, it's basically a double points event it's just as important um from a championship standpoint as the indy 500 so uh you got to go there and you got to maximize the opportunity and uh hopefully come out of there with a lot of points and of course that leads into the biggest month of the year at the indianapolis motor speedway the month of may and you're always a star at that track Got to feel pretty good that this year you can once again be contending for the victory, if not getting the victory there. Yeah, we've been we've been close um, the past really ever since we won in '16. I think we've had a shot at it every year, um, and uh, we've come up short a couple times. But you know, I think Andretti Autosport is is phenomenal, putting together good cars there. Um, you know, Honda is is a great partner for, for making sure that we have um, the power, the reliability, and the mileage we need to be successful at Indianapolis. So um, it's a big month, obviously. It's it's a, a, the number one priority for all of us is, is to win that race. And um, we're gonna go try and get number two this year. Alexander Rossi, driver of the number 27 Auto Nation Honda for Andretti Autosport. Good luck and thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. 
Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. One of IndyCar's big safety advancements the past few seasons has been the development of a cockpit safety enhancement known as the AeroScreen. It combines a structure similar to Formula One's halo along with a plexiglass windshield that covers the halo structure. On the first lap of the first race of the season, Colton Herta and Joseph Newgarden had contact heading toward turn five at Barber Motorsports Park. That triggered a multi-car crash that also involved Ryan Hunter Ray's Honda and Felix Rosenquist Chevrolet. Newgarden's car rode over the nose of Hunter Ray's Honda with the right front wheel assembly hitting the aero screen on Hunter Ray's car. Without the aero screen, Hunter Ray could have potentially been seriously injured, but the safety device left him unharmed. I caught up with Ryan Hunter Ray to talk about his close call, how the aero screen did its job, and his prospects for climbing back into the NTT IndyCar Series championship battle. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is Ryan Hunter Ray, driver of the number 28 DHL Honda. Ryan, you had a close call last week at Barber Motorsports Park. The aero screen really did its job. If you could describe uh, what happened and, and how close you came to potential injury if it hadn't been for the aero screen. Yeah, obviously, um, I didn't see that situation coming, especially on the first lap of the first race of the season. But um, I came to the top of the hill with a run behind Pagano, and I saw that I saw a big group of a big um, bunch of dust, dirt being kicked up, and I thought that was maybe somebody dropped their wheel. Um, so continued on, and I could see Newgarden's car trending to the left. So I thought things were okay. I could not see, however, Colton at that point. And Colton impacted Joseph, hitting him, sending Joseph right back into uh, all the traffic that was cl coming, including myself. Um, I knew it was going to be a big hit, brace for impact, closed my eyes, and uh, came out the other side, thankfully, uh, thanks to the aero screen. But, um, yeah, I really didn't know how it all went down until I looked at the video. So were you shocked when you saw the video and the screenshot from your I was pretty cockpit? shocked that, the, that the, his entire right front assembly wheel tire upright and everything um, impacted the aero screen like that. Yeah, I was, I, I was pretty shocked by that. Because the IndyCar aero screen is a combination of the halo and plexiglass. If it hadn't been both, would that have also uh, affected what could have potentially been? It, it's tough to say for sure, right? But the, the, the structure itself did the job of deflecting that. And I am pretty convinced that with, with what was coming at the, the, the aero screen, that had it just been a halo design without a, a windscreen, um, that other pieces of hardware would have come through and impacted me to some extent. To what extent, I'm not sure. Were there any tire marks on the plexiglass? Yeah, it, big scrapes on the, on, on the front, wind, on the front uh, windshield, and it completely pulled off the, the carbon fiber wicker that runs down the center of it. And also, not only did it protect a racing driver, it saved a father of three, a husband. Does, do those things go through your mind in a situation afterwards where you sit there and say, you know, I got a lot that I'm re responsible for. Thank God this thing did its job. No, you know, I know, I know racing's obviously, especially IndyCar racing's very dangerous and been doing it for many years. But I just came out of it thinking, man, I'm, I'm very grateful for the aero screen and for the, uh, you know, that push and that drive from IndyCar to further driver safety, uh, racing safety, uh, and this is a big implementation in the aero screen. 
Now, from a competitive standpoint, that's certainly not the way you want to get your season started. Not at all. You got to pedal your way on up from way back in the uh, points. How important is it for you now to get up there and get a podium or a win? Yeah, absolutely. That's a hole we're going to have to dig out of for, for quite a while. But uh, this is a great opportunity just a few days later to be back on track and get some redemption. Uh, love this place. Had some great finishes here. So looking forward to the opportunity ahead. And when you look at the uh, podium from last week, a couple of guys up there that don't surprise you, like Will Power and Scott Dixon, but the race winner, Alex Pillow, kids fast. Uh, what do you no think doubt. we can expect Absolutely. to see out of him the rest of the season? I think there's, uh, there's a lot of kids that are fast right now. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of great talent in the series. Uh, you know, seasoned veterans as well as young, upcoming talent. Um, so, yeah, it's a great time in the IndyCar series. Uh, it, it's surging in the right direction, absolutely, when it comes to the talent side of it. And our final question for Ryan Hunter Ray of Andretti Autosport. Uh, your prospects, St. Petersburg, how do you like the course? You've raced here for a very long time, including the one race that a lot of us seem to forget about, that very first one that was a Champ Car Series yeah, race. Yeah, that's right. Way back in, uh, I believe it was 2004. Yeah. But, you know, you've been coming here for every one of these, and it's really a big event on the schedule. Yeah, absolutely. I missed a few of the IRL races back in the day, but um, this is uh, this is one of the mainstays, one of the crown jewels in the IndyCar schedule. And, um, you know, I've finished second here a couple times on the podium uh, quite a few times. And uh, this is definitely one that the top of my list that I want to win it, being, being my home race. Ryan Hunter Ray, good luck, and thank you for joining us All today. Right. Thank you. Last week, Connor Daly's number 47 Chevrolet that he will drive for Ed Carpenter Racing in the 105th Indianapolis 500 was unveiled. It will pay tribute to the famed Tuskegee Airmen. Daly is sponsored by the United States Air Force and the U.S. Space Force. The Tuskegee Airmen were the first African-American military aviators in America and flew more than 15,000 missions during World War II in Europe and North Africa. Daly's number 47 Chevy will be mostly silver with a red nose and red detailing on the wings, the engine cover, and the wheel cover, along with yellow accents on the aero screen. That is similar to the paint scheme on the Tuskegee Airmen's P-51 Mustangs that flew in their missions that featured a red tail and red and yellow stripes on the nose, leading them to be nicknamed the Red Tails. Joining us now is Connor Daly. And Connor, earlier this week, they unveiled the livery of the car that you're going to run in the Indianapolis 500 for Ed Carpenter Racing. Once again, it looks like you're going to take flight with the U.S. Air Force and the Space Force. What's it like being able to represent such brands as that? I mean, it's awesome. I mean, uh, such an incredibly historic um, you know, group of group of airmen in the Red Tails. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's fantastic. It's an honor to represent them. And it's just really cool to see the car the way it comes out. I mean, the car looks like a fighter plane. Like when I first saw it all together, like when they had when they had the bodywork off, it was like, oh, this is like cool. Like I like the yellow, I like that. But when you put on the red nose with the red, like the signifying the red tails with the yellow stripes, it's really, really, really impressive. So I, I'm super pumped about it. And uh, you know, yet again, the Air Force knocked it out of the park with uh, with their choice of of livery. And the other thing is this year, the race is actually held on May 30th, which for a long time was the actual date of Memorial Day. When you're representing the U.S. Air Force and a branch of the military on Memorial Day, how patriotic do you get? 
Well, I mean, I love America and I love representing for our, uh, you know, for our incredible, you know, servicemen and women. And um, it it never gets old. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to continue to, uh, you know, represent for them, the U.S. Air Force, uh, the America, servicemen and women all around the world. Um, and, and, and I think it's just it, the only word that really comes to my mind, though, is like it's just cool. Like, and, and it's very, very special. So we want to obviously make sure that we pay the right amount of you know respect to them, which is, uh, you know, we, we can't ever pay enough respect to our, our folks that serve our country for sure. Connor Daly, good luck, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you. While the rest of the NTT IndyCar Series drivers head to Texas Motor Speedway for this week's oval doubleheader, seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson, an IndyCar rookie, and former Formula One driver Romain Grosjean will watch from the sidelines as they only compete on the street and road courses on the 2021 schedule. Johnson's number 48 Carvana American Legion Honda will be driven by popular veteran Tony Canaan. Grosjean's Honda will be piloted by young Pietro Fittipaldi. Johnson, who is in his rookie season in the NTT IndyCar Series, is back for the second week in a row as I talk to him before the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, where he finished 22nd. Joining us now is an old friend. I think I can call you that. I've only known you since 2002. It's been a while. Seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion, Jimmy Johnson, who finished his first race as an NTT IndyCar Series rookie last week at Barber Motorsports Park. You were all smiles afterwards. How would you look at that first race, getting it out of the way, and now getting ready for your second race here on the streets of St. Pete? Yeah, it was an exciting race. I learned so much through the course of the event. I got off to a pretty wild start there um, in turn four when the big crash happened and I had a spin not long after. But once once I got that stuff out of the way, I settled in and, and certainly made more mistakes as the day went on, but, but really learned some great lessons in how the flow of these races are different than NASCAR. The intensity required um, or allowed, I should say, actually, in an Indy car and how how the cars get faster, the track gets faster. All that's new and, and different than what I experienced in NASCAR. Did any of your Talladega or Daytona experience avoiding the big one help you at the start of the race over there in turn five when that was a pretty big multi-car crash by yeah. IndyCar standards to happen and you were able to weave your way through it? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I mean, um, the car responds different than what I'm used to, but without a doubt, there was some experience that played into missing that wreck from my, my cup days. What do you think of how nimble these cars are compared to the cup car? Yeah, that, that's really the fun part and why I'm all smiles every time I get out of the car. The G-forces, the, the potential in the car, the reward for commitment is much different than what you have in a NASCAR vehicle. Um, NASCAR is, is a ton of fun, a lot of slipping and sliding, but these cars are really stuck and glued to the ground. And, and if you slide them, you're usually in trouble and can't save it. But the thing about an IndyCar is they actually do what, what you want them to do. If you steer it a certain way, a lot more responsive than the cup car is. Yeah, without a doubt. The, um, the downforce, the, uh, the weight of the vehicle makes it so much more agile and, uh, and responsive. And then you have these big, big tires. If you look at the size of the car versus the size of the tire, an IndyCar has so much tire on it that it really points and shoots. Now here we are in the streets of St. Pete for the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, which is going to be your first street race. 
how big a challenge is that going to be? Because you don't have any runoff area. You're surrounded by concrete barriers. If you make a mistake or if another driver gets into you, you're going to probably hit the wall and damage the suspension. Just a different style of racing. How would you describe it this weekend? I agree with everything you said, and I have no no clue otherwise, right? Like, I've never been out here. I, I really don't know what to expect. Um, I've watched plenty of street circuit races. I grew up with one near my home in Southern California in Long Beach that I attended as a kid. So this is part of that dream, racing on city streets that I've, I've had since I was a young young guy. But um, I, know, I know it's a high-risk, high-reward environment, and I'm excited to get out there. But in some ways, does your experience at Martinsville help you here? Because that's a tight course, and there's a lot of beating and banging that goes on there. You can't really beat and bang here, but you've had a lot of victories at Martinsville Speedway in NASCAR by understanding how to get around a very tight track. This is a tight track. Yeah, I, I hope so, and I haven't been on track yet, so it's hard to say. But I can look back to my off-road racing days, too, and I raced on stadium floors in really narrow, tight environments as well. Um, I can say that in the simulator, I really had a good time. Granted, it's not the real thing, but the uh, it, I felt maybe a little more at home and natural in the sim than I did on the uh, prep I did for Barber. You were all smiles when you got out of the car. I would say probably the only mistake you made in the race was the spin out. And how frustrated were you when that happened? And if had that not happened, do you feel confident you could have finished on the lead lap? I'm not sure about the lead lap. Um, I want to believe that I, I could have. Yes. You know, I, and the way I look at it, there were, were two mistakes that I made. One with the spin, I just didn't think the dirty air would upset my car that much when VK passed me heading into that, that section of turns. And then the other mistake I made was, was kind of after the second stint had started and I got lost in my adjustments with the roll bars and the sway bars. So I, I tuned myself out and the team thought that's what I needed and wanted. They made a suggestion near the end of the race and I put those bars back and I picked up over a second of time and was right back in the thick of it. So uh, learning my adjustments is another big part of the job that I got to figure out. On a personal level, the driver interaction here with the other drivers in the series, I mean, they've all welcomed you, but on a personal level, the interaction, what's that been like for you? It's been great. I, I'm very thankful that many I've, I've known for a lot of years uh, but the ones that I'm just meeting for the first time are, uh, are more than welcoming, having a lot of fun, and I look forward to being in there and, and mixing it up with them soon. And in our final question with Jimmy Johnson of Carvana Chip Ganassi Racing, you've set your sights and you're uh, very realistic for what you want to do in your first season here in the series. A lot of fans and spectators may have unrealistic expectations, but how would you describe to them what your goals are and how you attempt to achieve them here? Yeah, I mean, the, all I can do is be honest with everyone and just how different IndyCar is from NASCAR. Uh, I can also be honest how much fun I'm having and and if people really listen and, you know, listen to what I have to say and, and tune in, um, I think they're going to enjoy the ride and enjoy that journey. Um, I, I know there are people that um, are going to have fun watching me not have instant success, and that's fine. You know, I'm just happy that people are tuning in, watching and, and following this great sport, but um, I, I'm having a blast and really enjoying this challenge because it is much different, much more different than I ever thought it was. Jimmy Johnson, driver of the number 48 Carvana Chip Ganassi Racing Honda. Thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. You got it. And that puts a checkered flag on the third episode of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank all of our guests, including Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg race winner Colton Herta, 
Alexander Rossi of Andretti Autosport, Ryan Hunter Ray of Andretti Autosport, Connor Daly of Ed Carpenter Racing, and Jimmy Johnson of Carvana Chip Ganassi Racing for joining us today. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.